welcome to the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast with your hosts, Emma and Jake D'Souza. This week, we're going to bring you a Halloween special, <laughs> which is in essence going to be us talking about some of our favorite scary movies. Before we get started, I want to do a shout out to our Patreon, Neil, and anyone else that would like to support the podcast, we do have a Patreon page, which you can find in the show notes. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> now, Halloween. A special time of year. Going to be a bit of a different Halloween this year. We always look forward to getting a load of candy for the neighborhood kids, but obviously there won't be any trick or treating um, this time. We'll have to just Did save you say that to that next we year. Get the candy from the neighborhood kids, or do we? For 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 them. A lot like we were going to be stealing the candy from these poor children. Well, to be fair, I usually eat most of the candy. So in a way, we do steal it from them before they even receive it. Look, there's some for them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yes, it's going to be a bit of a strange Halloween and we're one of the few houses that usually decorate our garden as well because it's actually Jake's favorite time of year. Oh, yes. I love Halloween. It's just such a special, cozy, spooky time of the year and uh, it's near and dear to my heart. It's kind of ironic because in the US, Halloween does appear to be a much bigger holiday. I mean, everything becomes pumpkin everything. Uh, whenever you get close to Halloween. Pumpkin candles, pumpkin drinks, pumpkin pie, pumpkin, pumpkin everything. And Halloween is huge. You know, some of the um, like the gardens and stuff that we saw the displays whenever I was over for Halloween a couple of years ago in L.A. were just insane. The amount of detail and work that went into some of these uh, garden displays, they were like film sets. There was just such a huge display of Halloween spirit. And the irony is that in the U.S., Halloween is huge, but it actually stems from Ireland. Halloween is a Irish holiday. At right. least that's where its origin is. Yeah, and um, I'm sure many of the uh, th those who are Halloween fans in general know this already. But uh, pumpkins, as they you know, as they become so synonymous with the holiday itself, were not the original uh, tool to oh, well, I guess not tool, but the original uh, object to carve. That's right. It was turnips and they are far more terrifying. If you have seen a turnip carved for Halloween, it will give you nightmares. And I, I guess they kind of uh, reflect the difficulty with which it, <laughs> uh, it the difficulty involved in uh, carving the object. Apparently, they are significantly harder to carve. I don't have the experience to say firsthand, but uh, I feel like the faces carved into the turnips reflect the faces of the individuals attempting to carve the turnips. <laughs> That's very good. So let's get started. Uh, this is going to be a film-centric uh, episode this week, which is similar to our last episode, but we're huge movie buffs, so we're excited to have an opportunity to discuss more of our favorite movies. And with it being Halloween, the theme is scary movies. Now, both me and Jake are huge fans of scary movies and horror and thriller and pretty much every subgenre within it. And um, myself, well, my introduction to scary movies was through my dad from a very young age. I mean, at two years old, he had me watching scary movies. And so I was raised really on these um, terrifying movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching at such a young age. Right. Not probably. I definitely, definitely should not have been watching them. But thankfully, it didn't leave any scars on my childhood memories. And I grew up to still love and appreciate scary movies of all shades. So what me and Jake have done is we have drawn up a list of our top 10. But, you know, who can really draw up a top 10 list of movies for any genre? It's pretty impossible. And so they're not really a top 10 ever, but like 10 movies that we both really like. 
Yeah, the I'm 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 having difficulties narrowing mine down. So yeah, my top ten. ten, Jake. Are, ten. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> my my top ten are just gonna be ten. They're not the top ten. They're just ten. Well, I'm gonna get started and run through some of my uh, recommendations and movies that I do in fact quite like. Starting with Scream. Yes, I know it's uh, predictable to have a slasher movie in a top 10 list of scary movies. And Scream is just one of many of them. But I do love a good slasher movie where it's a bunch of high school students in the US who, you know, all get killed. And there's just something uh, quite enjoyable about watching them scramble to try and not be complete idiots. I try to ignore the idea of Emma gleefully clapping along <laughs> as I, the American high school student of yesteryear, was running around being chased uh, to my inevitable doom. I'm, I'm sorry, Jake, but the stereotype exists. <laughs> it does. Well, it's not always just high school students. It's also sometimes college students. And oh, the college students is just as good. It is. And thankfully, because I never attended a proper college outside of community college for a few years, I don't feel as uh, um, targeted. But isn't your uh, high school used regularly for these kinds of movies? It is. It's in a <laughs> bunch of movies. But actually, I can't think of any horror movies that took place at my high school. That's a good point. So, you know, we've got uh, the usuals like um, Halloween, um, I Still Know Eat It Last Summer, and Scream, I guess, would be the three main slasher franchise movies. But for me, the Scream ones uh, went out uh, in terms of... Between those three. Moving on from that, another classic that I love is A Nightmare on Elm Street. That's it was the classic. first Freddy Krueger movie. And this is, you know, close to my heart because the this was the franchise that my dad had me watching at a very, very young age. So I love the Freddy Krueger movies. And uh, I didn't realize too much later in life that uh, your man, what's his name? Was really young in it. Um, let me see here. Uh, which what Robert Pir England? Pirates of the Caribbean guy? Oh, Johnny Depp. Yeah, I forgot he it was, was like even a in that. really young Johnny Depp in that movie. Yeah, which is kind of funny. But uh, I love the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. I think they are scary. I think they deal with a good subject. And um, you know, even though they progressively get worse with each one, you can still <laughs> get enjoyment out of them. You Watch can. the whole lot. There's like. 15 of them or something. There now. are a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really like the uh, Freddy versus Jason stuff, though. I don't know. I've always had a thing about the Halloween movies. I just don't like Jason as a scary character. It just doesn't work for me. I mean, we watched Jason X recently for a laugh, and that was that was, oh, was truly, bad. truly bad. But it lived up to our expectations of, like, bad horror. Uh, but, yeah, Jason has always seemed a little silly. Um the, like, why doesn't he die? It doesn't make any sense. I, he's just I, a person. I think. Well, no, but I think he's not. I think uh, at some point they get into it that he's like, he went to hell or something. And I don't know. He's somehow... It just doesn't work for me. It doesn't. I, I like the first one. I never really liked the movie, but I like the idea of the first one because, I mean, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it and you care, don't listen for the next couple seconds. But basically, <laughs> you think it's him the whole time coming back to, to re, you know, revenge on everybody, but it's actually... His like grieving, deranged mother who dresses up as him, killing people. So it's like, oh, I mean, cool at least that's twist. interesting. Exactly, and you believe it because, and you know, they're able to actually kill the, you know, Jason in that movie because it was just a person. But then later on, it gets all supernatural, and I like supernatural stuff, but that one 
I agree. That one kind of falls short. Yeah. So if I had to choose between the Jason franchise and the Freddy franchise, Freddy wins every time for me. Definitely. Another uh, older scary movie that I quite like is Poltergeist. I actually rewatched it again recently. And when you haven't seen it for a while, you forget just how good that movie is. I mean, the scene towards the end where he's grabbing the guy that's holding the house and screaming about how they didn't move the bodies. They only moved <laughs> the headstones. I mean, oh, Jesus, it was great. My dad always quotes that ending. That's a good, <laughs> good scream. And I mean, it's a great movie because I think it was uh, written by Steven Spielberg. So you can't ah. really go wrong with that. Uh, yeah, he did the, the screenplay. I'm not sure if he like wrote it, wrote it, but I know he wrote the screenplay. And in general, it's just it's got a good a good uh, team behind it. So yeah, it ticks off all the boxes. It has like your, you know, creepy poltergeist, obviously, but it has like the little child that the poltergeist is trying to get. It has like the medium person that comes in who's super cool but also creepy and weird. That's right. It yeah. ticks off so many boxes and. It's just such an enjoyable movie. So no matter how many times I've watched it, I always seem to be able to watch it again and appreciate it all over like I hadn't watched it a million times. And what about the the remake? Did you enjoy that? Did you watch that? I did, of course. So I watched everything that's scary, but I didn't think it was anywhere near as good. Yeah, I don't really remember it, which is probably a testament that it wasn't. That I don't it was... think it was really that bad, but pro- yeah, you can't but... top the first one. Yeah. It's, just, it's just one of those movies that you just can't beat. For sure. So the other movies I'm going to talk about are a little bit more recent um, in terms of when they were made. One that I'd like to touch on is The Babadook, which um, was made by an Australian writer, and I think she directed it as well. Yeah, she was pretty heavily involved with all aspects, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it was her debut movie, and it was amazing. It came out um, at a time when quite a few good scary movies were coming out, the same time as The Witch came out, which is also a debut from another writer and director, um, and the debut of another one that I'm also going to talk about as well. So there was this kind of time there a couple of years ago where some really interesting scary movies were coming out from newcomers yeah, that it was, was it was considered like a, a amongst you know cult horror fans it was considered kind of like a new renaissance of like uh, modern horror films god and we really need it to because some of the stuff's being reworked again and again and again and it's just it's not getting good mm, no it's not <laughs> but this is an excellent movie it is terrifying it's um dealing with a lot of real emotions too and real life issues it's dealing a lot with grief with the depression and um, with a really scary subject matter, you know, where you have a grieving mother who's trying to raise her son by herself and a very scary presence enters their lives. And it is pretty scary stuff. So I highly recommend The Babadook uh, is a very enjoyable, jumpy movie. So be prepared to be scared with that one. Yes. And also just an eerie, um, like ambiance as well so it's not all jump scares there are of course jump scares but it's that's true and it has a great soundtrack you know it's one of those classic soundtracks that's heavy on um you know it doesn't have music to it it just has what's the word i'm looking for jake it's orchestra based you know so it's uh really good at building up the ambience and um creating a real sense of fear you know and pending doom and uh it's the kind of movie that when it finishes you're left thinking about what happened and what was the movie about exactly and i i like a i like the odd movie where i do think about it afterwards me too and i mean it does it it it, it, at times it's a little on the nose with certain visual elements and also i'm not usually a huge fan of movies 
which are meant to be like a parallel to an idea or like a message or uh you know a, a symbolism for something else i like my horror to just be like a scary concept mm-hmm. not like you know representative of a scary a, another yeah. entirely we aren't too scary. keen on like se- separate from this but we aren't too keen on um scary movies that at the end of it it turns out that it was maybe just um mental illness and not actually a scary monster right or anything along those lines it's the equivalent of it's like the modern oh it was just a dream or was yeah, it it's no. like no no it, make if it's gonna be scary let it still be scary at the end and not rely on like well you know what the real horror is blank and it doesn't, yeah doesn't do it for me we just we like it to be transparent yes yes we do um a great movie that i want to talk about is actually a korean movie that is called The Wailing. I do believe it's available on Netflix, and if it is still there, I highly recommend making the time to watch this. It's long, probably coming in at least two and a half to three hours long. Um, but and if you haven't watched a lot of Korean movies, I understand it can be daunting to watch another a foreign language movie that's going to be in subtitles. But this one is well worth putting in the effort because it is. Um, it's a movie that really builds and builds and builds into just a terrifying um like cataclysmic ending that blends something that's that is quite unique within korean scary cinema or, or horror horror franchise is that they tend to blend a lot of really scary themes but with really great comedic timing so it'll be a terrifying movie but there'll be this injection of humor into the script that um is just really unique i think in terms of to korean cinema that i really enjoy the wailing encompasses that greatly and it was the kind of movie where it was really long but you completely lost yourself in it and you came out of at the end of it not realizing how long you just spent watching it and being completely changed forever definitely definitely highly agree with all points made and it's not even just like this phenomenon this um this tactic is not unique specifically to uh Korean horror, it's also a part of just Korean cinema uh, in general. Uh, a good example would be, and I can't remember the writer or the director, uh, but I know the the Vengeance trilogy, which deals with similarly intense subject matter, and there are horror elements, but it's mostly just thriller. Uh, it, it covers the gambit, but it's... Um, what were those movies? There, there was Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. No. Sympathy for, for Mr. Mr. Vengeance, Vengeance, Lady Vengeance, Lady Vengeance, and Old Boy. There we um, go. Uh, and all three of them have very, you know, disturbing, intense subject matter. But also, uh, they they help they they pace it very well with really tasteful, well put together comedy, which isn't like a, a, a overtly comedic. It's just it's almost like the Coen Brothers, where mm. uh, upsetting situations are inherently funny when you have uh, certain characters delivering certain lines in certain ways or certain situations certain situations presented in a particular manner. So it's it's difficult to achieve, uh, very Cohen-esque. But, but uh, they do be. it, and they do it very well in The Wailing. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult, of course, to make a top 10 of anything, but I have to say The Wailing would be in my top 10 100% forever. And it's certainly maybe even in my top five of recent movies because it just was so unsettling and 
stayed with me for weeks on end when I was still trying to digest what had happened in the movie, it's terrifying. So I would put that really high up on my list of recommendations for anyone who hasn't seen it to uh, give The Willing a go. It's great. Definitely. Good for Halloween. Um, another good movie that I watched uh, more recently, even more recent, was Midsummer. Now, some people... Um, might know the director and writer's other movie, Hereditary. Um, but for me, Midsummer did uh, come out a little, a little more on top. I thought the combination of these breathtaking visuals, the cinematography was just out of this world. It was set in, I think, Sweden or somewhere in Scandinavia. Very brightly shot, lots of colors. It was springtime, so it's full of flowers and it's just beautiful to look at. But the subject matter was very dark. And um, it was dealing with, again, a lot to do with loss and grief and how we deal with those emotions, but doing it in a very creative way that actually was a terrifying movie. So Midsummer is not as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, it's not, it's not a slasher. It's not your classic Halloween movie where you're going to sit down and, and, you know, be scared no, but, but it, it is a scary movie. It is. And there are moments that do kind of harken back to slashers in a way. But of course, it's in no way a slasher film. Uh, but there are other movies where you will find that this certainly has uh, drawn from like, you know, your Wicker Man. And uh, mm. there, there That's are a uh, good comparison. Yeah, there it's 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 really, really, really tastefully done and really good. And the characters are really important. And uh, it touches on a number of uh, sensitive subjects, but, you know, worth worth talking about in cinema in general. But um, I will always be a fan of when those films happen to also be uh, horror films. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not for the faint of heart in certain segments, but that's what I love about it. It does not shy away from uh, really gruesome stuff. And another recent movie that I thought was great was Get Out, which was was that the first uh, actual movie that Jordan Peele did, Jake, or was that just sure. his first serious role? Well, I know that was his first uh, written and directed, if I'm not mistaken. That was his first, like, that was the first of his horror films that he was going to put out. I know before that, he and um, uh, I cannot remember his name. Is it something Keegan? Uh, I cannot remember his uh, his his name. I feel like a total jerk, but they yeah, but they definitely did something comedic. Well, yeah, they were a comedy duo. They had done stuff with, I think, um, all the way back in Mad TV or something like that. And they had they had continued to do uh, horror, sorry, uh, comedy sketch, you know, stuff for for a long time. Um, And only in very recent times had uh, Jordan Peele started to expand a little bit and had stated interest in uh, putting together a horror film. Which was surprising. Yeah. You know, like this was completely out of... uh out of his regular gigs. Exactly. So. so horror fans were very excited. People were who were fans of him in general were very excited to see what he was going to do. And he still brought in comedy elements into his horror, which I really appreciated. Yeah, that's what I was just about to get into. So for me, uh, Get Out was a great all-round scary movie. It dealt heavily with um, social issues, which I think a lot of Jordan Peele's more recent things, more recent works are doing or dealing with uh, trying to challenge and question social norms and, 
you know, how we operate as a society. But that was the undercurrent to the movie. The, the top layer is just a really enjoyable movie that is scary and is shot really well and the cast is perfect. And um, whilst it's dealing with a scary subject and it's terrifying and what's happening, it uh, does, again, have that really perfect comedic timing and just the right balance between dealing with a heavy issue but also having that light-hearted aspect to it, which makes for a more rounded um you know watch your experience totally and i like that he gave um i think he specifically um envisioned tim heidecker of tim and eric fame you love uh, tim heidecker. Yeah, i love tim heidecker i love <laughs> tim and eric i love uh, everything uh, you know uh everything in that circle of people is just great but um i i appreciated him in that movie because he he was of course playing a character he was of course uh funny but uh, I, I'm pretty sure he had, he had said that um, Jordan had like sought him out specifically to play this character, and the character is you know a unique character in the uh, assortment of Tim characters that he's played, and you know it's just uh, it's a good role for him, and everyone involved was was really really good. It was great, and keeping with uh, more modern scary movies, another one that has to get a shout out in my top list is It Follows. Definitely. It came out a couple of years ago now. And again, it wouldn't be your, it's not a slasher movie. It's not um, dealing with, you know, blood and guts and gore and that kind of um, scare. But it is scary. Um, And it's kind of dealing with, um, like, well, how can I describe it, Jake? It's like past the parcel, only a really scary kind. Yeah. um, Okay. Well, a couple things. First, I know it doesn't deal explicitly explicitly with like gore and stuff, but it does have gory moments. They're brief and they're tastefully done. And I think even in the first, you know, five minutes, you have something upsetting that you see. But it's really, really, really well done. And um, it doesn't rely on that. Although mm-hmm. the few times where you do see something disgusting or grotesque, it really um, impacts it's true because the movie is it's so infrequent in the movie that when it does happen it is done very tastefully and very powerfully yes uh and it's a huge part of what makes the movie stick for me um but yeah it the good way to sum it up is that it was it feels like it was and it it literally was uh a story which came to the writer director in a dream um it was a, a nightmare that they had, which they were able to turn into a full film. And that's what lends to its kind of eerie, uh, not, you know, almost grounded in reality, but certainly not completely grounded in reality. And um, it's got a dreamy atmosphere to it mm-hmm. and it's slow burning. And uh, there are humor, you know, humorous moments and, um, you know, relatable moments and, it's all kind of a, you know, similarly to the other film we were talking about, it does have like parallels with, you know, um, certain messages. And, like, you know, don't have sex. Well, well, at least uh, maybe protect, <laughs> protect yourself in some manner or, yeah, to uh, uh, be careful with whom you sleep. Uh, so, yeah, but it's really, really, it's really good. Yeah, uh, it's really atmospheric. It's got a great soundtrack as well. Uh, it's it was one of the early on ones those, to use uh, that synth. Yeah, soundtrack. exactly. It was kind of like the '80s feel soundtrack. Yeah, it's tapping into that more recent um, 
you know, tendency that we've seen from some pretty Stranger good things Stranger Things, that, you know, that whole thing that's happening. But it, it was kind of a precursor. It, it, it had started to uh, in, utilize that theme before it had really become, the market had become so oversaturated with movies trying to harken back to, you know, 80s mm. nostalgia vibes. But yeah, It Follows became a massive cult classic and people were just dying for an it follows to or to see what the writer and director was going to do next because it did in many ways break the mold um in terms of a scary movie and it was just so different to what we've been getting for a long time now that people were just so excited by this this film yeah then of course your man comes out afterwards and says oh yeah i'm never going to do scary movies again and all of us horror fans are still distraught and dismayed by his reluctance to just make another damn scary movie. Yep. And I think what his next film was Under the Silver Lake or something. I yeah, didn't, I, I haven't didn't watched see it that. yet. Yeah, but I'm I'm pretty sure it isn't horror. Um, and I'm also pretty sure it takes place in so Silver Lake in Los Angeles, which well, that would really be nice. should watch it at least for that reason. Um, another one that I wanted to talk about is also uh, still dealing with a little bit of comedy in it as well you know jake i'm starting to get the feeling that i kind of like the mix of scary and comedy judging by these movies that i've been listing off tonight Um, nothing wrong with that so another movie i want to recommend is called harpoon oh yeah that was good it was so unexpected in terms of how good it actually was uh has a very small cast it's basically three best friends on a yacht in the middle of the ocean you would think that can't really sum up to be very much right but you will be amazed at how much can happen between three best friends on a yacht in the middle of the ocean it was a brilliant movie it was funny it was tense it it had a big twist at the end followed by another big twist and the whole movie was just really enjoyable it was uh, well shot great soundtrack everything that you want to check off a bit uh, a list it's on there with that movie definitely and, you know, I think that brings me to movie number 10. So the last movie I'm going to do a shout out to uh, for this episode is Color Out of Space. This is a uh, another movie featuring Nicolas Cage, who has been doing a whole raft of movies lately. Oh, I mean, he's nice. always been prolific. But he seems to have found um, a niche in the market again uh, where he just fits in perfectly. And he's had some great roles recently. Uh, I really liked him in Mandy as well. And there's been a couple of other ones. That one with the parents was really yeah, good too. Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad. So he's, he's on a pretty good run. But for me, Color of Space was just, it just nudged Pat. It just nudged Mandy out of the way uh, <laughs> because of the cinematography. It was beautiful to watch this movie. There's a lot of color, which is not surprising considering the title of the movie. (laughs) But um, (laughs) it's just beautiful in terms of the entire cinematography of the movie. It was just breathtaking. Uh, Nicolas Cage was great in it. The full cast was great. It's set out in the woods. It's dealing with a really creepy subject. Think like aliens, not aliens. I don't know. But it's got... Heavy Lovecraft tones. In fact, I think it is based on Lovecraft. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is a Lovecraft story. I haven't read it, but yeah, I'm pretty sure The Color Out of Space is a um, is a Lovecraft story. Yeah, and you can feel it. This is a movie that pulls off Lovecraft like really well. It's just covered perfectly, and I really enjoyed it. I could watch it anytime. It's definitely up there with some of the best recent movies to watch. Not um, 
you know, again, not your typical Halloween slasher, but it is scary and it does have some pretty grisly scenes in it. So be prepared to see some um, gnarly images. Yes. Well, that's in keeping with much of Lovecraft's, uh, you know, storytelling. There's a lot of uh, upsetting uh, visuals and things which you can't even quite put into words. Yeah, exactly. But I'm also going to just... take a moment to just uh verbalize my my sentiment which is fuck hb lovecraft i i hate (laughs) hb lovecraft i think he's a piece of shit uh and we recently discovered that he hated the irish oh he hated the irish he hated the jews he he is a hateful piece of shit and may he rot in peace i hate that guy but his uh his artistry speaks for itself it's it uh, which i you know he wasn't known for his work at the time. No. His work only and became I, famous after he passed away. I used to feel bad about that. Now I'm so glad he died in abject poverty and uh, died ailing and alone. No, Jake. No, okay. I, I truly <laughs> couldn't wish worse for a guy. I, I hate that guy. But, um, you know, even if he his horror and, you know, uh, terrifying stuff all, all was drawn from his terror and fear of, you know, Jewish people, uh, you know, if... I, it, even if that's where it all came from, at least it, he turned it into something that everyone can appreciate. But fuck H.B. Lovecraft. But yay to Color Out of Space. So that's a wrap on my list. Uh, just to run through them again, it was a Color Out of Space. Get Out, The Babadook, It Follows, Midsummer, Harpoon, A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Wailing, Poltergeist, and Scream. It's now over to you, Jake. Thank you very much. That was a very good list. And a few of those were actually on my list originally. So um, they are... We are blessed that we actually do share completely the same taste in, in movies. In movies in general, definitely. Um, okay, so I'm like I said, this is not a horror top 10 list. This is just a horror... 10 list um and so i'll just go through quickly uh the ones that i think are worthy of noting with a little bit more in-depth information but there are far more um other beyond these 10 um okay the thing john carpenter 1980 i think uh incredible body horror um practical effect laden horror film um it really is it's considered one of the greatest horror films of all time and it's for very good reason um Yes. I feel like this is a good time to um, be honest and tell you that I've never seen the thing. No way. I've You've been never... hiding this through our whole marriage. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. Well, um, first off, divorce. Second off, <laughs> we're going to have to watch the thing. We're going to have to watch the thing. That is the best news, actually, because I'm really excited to watch it again. I've been I haven't seen it in, you know, a few years. So worth watching. All every year should have watched it every year. Um, should watch it every day, and I'm so happy to watch it with someone who hasn't ever ever seen it. That's right. We can add it to our Halloween night list. Yes, yes. Okay. Well, I will. For that very reason, I will not go in depth because I don't want to give anything more away. It's just a. It's based off of a story. Um, originally, it was thought to have been the story was called uh, "Who Goes There," um, and it. I cannot remember the author. It was from you know a bajillion years ago. Really great. Uh, uh, short story. It was a short story. Turns out recently it was discovered that that wasn't the whole story and that actually 
that short story was a part of mm-hmm. a much larger, longer story called Frozen Hell. And I downloaded that Cue. immediately. Yes. Cue that there will be some sort of movie now doing I'm that as well. Pretty sure. Yeah. I mean they've already there's already been, I think, something was announced that uh Bloomhouse was involved with a the thing remake or sequel or un- unknown basically what's happening. But let's hope they, they make good on one of the biggest complaints people had with the most recent The Thing uh, somewhat prequel that was put out was that they had done a bunch of really great practical effects because John Carpenter really like hit the nail on the head with horrifying practical effects in that movie. They're, you know, uh, renowned as some of the best practical effects in anything, let alone anything horror. Um, and everyone was looking forward to more great practical effects in mm. this other The Thing film, but it turned out um, the producers weren't happy with it. Someone, someone, you know, one of the big wigs was just like, eh, cover it up with CG. You put, put some CG on there. The kids want CG. So they covered everything up with CG, and people have been crying for a, uh, a re-release of the movie, you know, a um, director's cut with the original effects, but so far no one has uh, done that. So it's disappointing. People are hoping that this new film coming out will uh, not make that mistake. Because mm-hmm. even though I loved the digital effects in the uh, the newer The Thing prequel thing, and I liked that whole idea of that film, it did well of setting up the events of the other film, it still, I'm sure, would have benefited from having more practical effects because everyone loves practical effects. Um, anyway, The Thing. Just such a great, creepy story that keeps you guessing. Uh, and it... Uh, isolation if you like isolation horror it's just really really good um similar to if you've seen like black mountain a lot of movies tend to uh um build off of what the thing started uh Mm. and so far nothing has topped the thing for me as far as horror okay so moving on next movie would be the blair witch project um Uh, uh, yeah, she hates uh, found footage. This one started the found footage craze, and it's not it it's not fair like to to judge it as a found footage movie because if you say oh I don't like found footage, this that wasn't a genre when this came out. It literally was just it was made it was on the a movie shoestring that like made me realize I don't like found footage. Well, let me just say that you're wrong. <laughs> you're just you're wrong. Uh, I I read there's a really great like ten section 10 10 article uh you know i don't know what you'd an expose i don't know what you'd call it um of basically detailing the entire production of uh the film the reasoning why the directors and writers and actors were what they did what they did Uh, i think it's on dread central um and it's worth trying to google it's hard to find all the different sections they don't it's such an old article that clicking to the next section doesn't even work half the time you have to search for each section independently but my god is it worth reading just because it goes into everything that made that movie so unique it was i mean the acting it was all practically off the cuff um there was very little that was actually written down most of it was almost improvisation um the people involved uh the actors knew next to nothing about what was going to be happening each day it was set up to make them genuinely feel terrified uh, these were all no-name actors, and they did such a good job. I believed every single person in that movie was a real person. It just felt real the way that they they acted. Um, the entire story it was it did such a good job of showing nothing, telling a lot, but mostly there was like it was 
most of the movie is them just wandering and somehow I'm more scared of that movie than almost any other movie. I could just keep rewatching it. And so many tropes, you know, came about after the fact, you know, your found footage, your, uh, oh, I'm lost and I don't know why. How can we, it doesn't seem, you know, it's otherworldly how we're lost in these woods. Every movie had tried to use and lift from that, from that film. And they all suck. This one invented it and did it best as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and, you know, it's my favorite trapped in the woods movie besides you know uh evil dead or any of the army of darkness movies I, those those this this film is so worth watching if you haven't seen it it may be difficult to enjoy it as much now if you've already seen a million and a half other found footage films but um if you could transport your back yourself back into the 90s and watch this for the first time uh or just try to open your mind uh without knowing much about it or yeah, definitely worth not knowing much about it and then just going in cold. But I, I will always love this movie near and dear as, you know, one of the best horror movies as far as I'm concerned. Um, next, I'll go into uh, quite a bit later, 28 Days Later. Um, Danny Boyle, a very prolific director and writer. Danny Boyle also did Sunshine, didn't he? Did Sunshine, another oh, such so a good, good horror movie. Thank you for mentioning <laughs> that. I had forgotten about that. That was a great horror movie, but he doesn't do a lot of horror. That's, That's probably true. it. Those two. And then, you know, he did 127 Hours. He did Slumdog Millionaire. He did uh, a million different movies, but most of them are usually kind of go with the touching sentimentality thing. But with 28 days later he went he dropped the budgets he went with like home video camera level equipment uh it has that uh um um michael mann look to it for that very reason uh that you'll see and obviously like uh um collateral or like you know another great horror f- film uh open water that's really shark movie shark movie yeah, shark I'm movie as obsessed with shark movies but <laughs> 28 days later was one of the first movies i had seen that um incorporated like instead of super high def, you know, uh, movie studio cameras, this was grainy and low budget. And it, the most of the budget went into filming actual sequences of London, like empty. They were able to do it, you know, film at times when there wasn't anybody around and they were able to block off streets. And there was very little CG involved in making the streets of London look completely empty like there had actually mm. been a zombie apocalypse and I, and I don't want to say zombie because they weren't zombies what was so cool about 28 days later was it was the first horror zombie outbreak movie that that i'd seen that wasn't actually about zombies it was about just people that were infected with something and that's what they're referred to as infected and now that's a trope everyone uses now too everything is infected this infected that's that. a good point it kind of kicked off that whole infected yes um you know, trope that we see now. Yes. Um, but of course he who did it first did it best. Uh, Danny Boyle did such a good job. The characters in that are excellent. Uh, the horror in that is excellent. There's so many great set pieces, the music. I mean, there's such a good granddaddy song in that, in that movie during a, uh, one of the only, uh, uplifting, um, you know, reprieves from the tenseness is when they're, they're running around a grocery store enjoying, uh, taking anything that they wanted and you feel happy for them only for that to of course very shortly be uh interrupted uh uncere- unceremoniously but just so many great sequences in that movie and just such a good movie overall and there was 
a uh, se- several different endings that they had envi- envisioned. If you can try and get your hands on the original DVD or maybe the Blu-ray, not sure if it's in the Blu-ray, but uh, there were. Se- I'm, I'm sure you could probably even YouTube this at this point. I haven't myself, but if you research it, there were a couple different endings. There was one which they filmed, which was a totally different ending, and then there was one which only had uh, a a storyboard and commentary track over top, which kind of just, it was, I think the writers and directors just talking about what was going to happen, which never ended up uh, working out. Yeah. Which I thought was a kind of out there, but also really good there. It's, it's worth looking into. I really like that movie. Um, Okay. Uh, Very recently, I really liked Vivarium. Uh, We just rewatched that, didn't we? Yes, yeah, and I'd actually watched it again. Well, was that, that three times in like yeah. this year? <laughs> yeah, I I really liked it. It's a perfect uh, horror with humor. In I think it. we talked about this in the last episode we too. May it's have, the so Irish, um, yeah, Irish uh, team, writer and director. Yeah, team. those those guys did such a good job with that. It's um, creepy. Um, you know, it's I, I I'm sure people will be like, oh, it's just like a an allegory for this, or it's supposed to be like uh, a representation of the, the. I I don't even want to say it because I'm not gonna feel that fire. If you haven't seen it, see it. Yeah, and you can small come up, cast, effective. A, a small cast, very effective. Uh, and the the horror elements when they pop up, the whole idea is a horror element. Yeah. It's done playfully, but not. If you really but think it about terrifying. it, it's terrifying if you really think about being in that position. Uh, and it's just done really well. And the guys that did it, they had a uh, a short, um, which I can't remember what it was. It I think was it might have been Foxes. Foxes. Or something like that. Something like that. It, it, just look look it up. It, you'll you'll find it. It was a it was a good, like, I don't know, probably like 15 minutes or something. It's a, We watched that after watching the movie. It was great. Really the short's good. really good, too. The short's really good. It's different. Uh, but it obviously plays off similar elements, mm-hmm. and they—you can tell—they really honed what they wanted in Vivarium, and it has um, Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Imogen. Imogen Poots, uh, and I mean, they're—they're they're both just really good. Uh, and there's a couple other actors in the movie which are also really good. Okay, um, next, Alien, Alien, Alien. I uh, considered Alien too. It's great because everyone That's likes to so think of it. So tense. It's so tense. It's you I know. Oh, what, what were you going to say? It's so scary. It's so scary. Because, the face huggers. Right. Then not even just the face huggers. Yeah, it's everything that's just about one it. part. <laughs> that's just one part. And yeah, the actual, and like, okay, what's so cool about it is most people will pass it off as like, oh, it's just, you know, a 70s sci-fi movie and it's not. That's great. Well, it it's an also an isolationist it, horror as well because you're really trapped. It is. It's horror in space is what it is. And it's, uh, it's so creepy and i highly recommend the director's cut it's really really good i saw that in film and in theaters as a kid with my dad and it was like the coolest thing ever uh you can't go wrong with the theme it really again this one started the whole theme of you know be like you know you saw it actually done really well in the in the recent film life which was uh i think that was like i don't remember what year that was but really recent uh the, the classic you know trapped in space with something that isn't very friendly and it's done so well i mean it was um uh what i can't can remember your name uh uh ridley scott <clears throat> ridley scott did such a good job james cameron of course took over for the sequel aliens which was great oh it's also good great and it was scary but it was also a little bit more uh, action oriented because james cameron is really good with doing bigger you know wider scope you know your terminators and your uh titanics and stuff which is Fantastic, but 
bringing it right back to um, the the original that the atmosphere, the characters, the like so many movies have ripped that off by now that it, it basically spawned a whole genre of its own. Uh, and the franchise as a whole, though, with its it has its issues, but I I love it. And I actually everyone hated Prometheus, but I, I love Prometheus. I thought it was a good uh, alternate take on, you know, where the, these movies and the elements mm-hmm. of these films came from. OK, moving on. Um, another film which I loved is based on one of my favorite Stephen King stories, uh, The Mist. I love The Mist. How about you, Emma? Yeah, I love The Mist, too. Not the Mist TV show. No, no but no, the Mist can't. movie. Oh man, that ending! Yeah, it don't is talk so about it. brutal. Yeah. I'm not going to give it away. Well, I'm not going to give it away. Okay, okay. We do, do, ignore what we're saying. Oh. Just it's it's tough. <laughs> I, I hate when people get, say that because then you're looking forward to the ending the whole time. You know something's going to happen. So don't uh, ignore what was just said. Just watch the movie. I'm, I'm such a spoiler person. You are a spoiler person. Uh, it's a great movie. Um, it obviously has some issues, uh, like every movie does. Well, not every movie, but some movies do. It has a few shortcomings. Some of the actors are a little mad, but uh, overall, there's some really good, uh, excellent, uh, unknown horror. Like you don't know what what is what you, what it is you're scared of, but you know you're scared of it. Uh, a lot of fear, a lot of not showing what exists out there uh, in the mist, and what but what they do show you of what's out there is horrifying, um, and. <clears throat> A really interesting thing to know is that this movie was meant to be in black and white. The studio, mm-hmm. yet again, an instance of the studio going, hey, the kids want color. The kids throw some color in there. So it got Where's that person from? I don't know. The East Coast. They're all from the East Coast <laughs> in my head. Uh, <clears throat> you have to watch it in black and white. Just turn your television to, you know, dro- drop the contrast or drop the, uh, the color and the saturation down to black and white. Worth it because... Um, the, the, the writer, director, whoever was helming it, they were talking about how they wanted it to embody what, when reading the original story, how that was kind of a throwback to these, uh, almost pulpy, uh, black and white horror films of, of that decade or whenever it was that, uh, he wanted his movie to reflect that feeling and he, and he, you know, he directed and the, the direction and the writing all was supposed to be a little bit in that kind of pulpy manner. I, of, of, I don't know. I'm, I'm using horrible terminology. My vocabulary is very <laughs> limited. Very, very, very. Here's the word very again. Limited. So my the, the main point is that if you watch The uh, the Mist, watch it in black and white because that was the way it was meant to be. Uh, it's an easy way to get the director's tip. cut uh, without actually having to fork over the money for a director's cut that I believe, I'm not even sure if that exists out there. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, the Fly, another The movie. There's a lot of horror movies that I love that Is begin the with the word The Fly really scary, though? Yes, it's very <laughs> scary. It's uh, it's Cronenberg, uh, and he is just the king of... Uh, uh, well, besides, he does great body horror. Yeah, he's so good with body horror and practical effects. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, him and John Carpenter do amazing work with practical effects. Uh, but yeah, I love Cronenberg's work. Um, you know, his other stuff. There's a million movies that he's done. But the thing, or sorry, the the, the fly, fl- the fly, 
I mean, there were, I think I talked about this in the last episode, that there were some elements in this movie that were so upsetting to me as a kid that I couldn't watch them. I had to, like, I, I think I cried the first time I saw. Oh, uh, yeah, there was. That like, is so cute. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm mortified, but I'm willing to talk about it in, uh, in, in, in the public sphere, if you will. I'm not sure. Sphere, another good kind of horror movie. Um, the, the things about, about The Fly that I love the most are just, you know, the watching someone just devolve um in into just a a mess but uh, but they think that they're they're evolving so it's like it's really eerie and creepy and tough to watch and i mean it's grotesque and gruesome but like that takes a backseat to like the mental idea Mm -hmm. of watching somebody i mean in some ways improve but obviously in most ways they're an accident of their um their genius they have basically doomed themselves there is a lesson in that there is somewhere in there <laughs> uh, uh beneath the viscera uh okay um next um under the skin man you love this movie i love under the skin i could watch it over and over again and i it, it was I, set in scotland right yes scott uh in um uh aberdeen i think i'm not sure uh it's so good and i mean so many people are gonna go no it's not but that those people are wrong. They, uh, I, I. It also kicked off a trend. It did. It was the first. I think it was A twenty four, the production company. It was the. I I believe it was the first of the Renaissance uh, horror Renaissance. So I think it was in two thousand and fourteen that it came out. Uh, so it was a little ahead of It Follows and stuff. But you know that production company obviously. A twenty four did a couple of the movies we talked about tonight. They did, they did. Um, so highly recommend just looking into A twenty four as a production company if you want to see some good stuff. It's not all horror. There's a lot of really good, just you know, uh, just great stories. But um, I love um, Under the Skin because it's so creepy. Everything about it is creepy, and it doesn't tell you. You don't. You have to figure it out for yourself what you're watching. And I don't want to tell you what you're watching because you need to just watch it. But um, it's. It's somewhere between horror with sci-fi elements, and it's like uh, it's kind of a little bit. I'm, I don't know. I'm I, I I don't want to get into it, but basically, it's based off of a novel, which I've I read that subsequently after watching the films, and I love the novel. It's not. It's very. It tonally, it's completely different than the film because the film the. Protagonist, antagonist, whatever. The main character, played by what's her name? Um, Charlie. Charlie's no. Uh, um, damn it! She was like. It is. It's like. It's not Charlie's. That's what Charlie's Theron. Theron. Yeah. Charlie's Theron. Charlie's yeah. Theron. Uh, is it? That's not it. It. She's like a way younger. Uh, um. Damn it! She's in like those stupid Marvel movies. Um, I think I'm right. You're not. You can go ahead and look it up. You look it up while I'll just. I keep can't. Talking. I have my phone. You're gonna have to look it up. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'm looking this up just so you can go. Emma was wrong. Um, <laughs> under the skin. Well, I really hope I was right. You weren't. I know you weren't. Uh, okay, it was a Jonathan Glazer film. Uh huh. And it is starting starring. Scarlett Johansson. Oh, Jesus. That's right. Come on, they're so similar. They're not even slightly similar. Oh, they're totally similar. They're like completely different people, first off. Uh, yeah, okay, look, they are different people, I'll give you that, but come on. Scar- S- Charlize and Scarlett, I mean, they're kind of similar sounding, but they're different human beings, and I wouldn't put them in the same category. <laughs> but anyway, uh, 
uh, not your typical Scarlett Johansson movie. Let me just tell you right off the bat. Most of this movie was, uh, well, uh, of course, all of it was scripted, but I guess I shouldn't say all of it because there were... There were some unscripted elements. There were, yes, some very good unscripted elements where she's driving around the dark in, uh, you know, windy Scottish roads. And just picking up people that don't realize that she's Scarlett Johansson. She's got like a good makeup thing going on, so no one knows. And I mean, these are real people that she's talking to and they play a role in the movie that they have no idea they're playing. And it's so creepy. It's really funny. love it. Ah, it's so good. But then the, the novel... Basically, this character says next to nothing in the movie. You don't know at all. You have to basically infer their motives by watching what they do and their face and how they kind of how the the film progresses. But in the novel, the whole thing is from their perspective and they're they're narrating mm-hmm. their thoughts. And the two together, when you combine them, it it explains elements of the movie. The movie kind of uh, they're they're companion pieces as far as I'm concerned. They're different. They cover different elements, different at uh, different events, but the theme and the overall story is the same. Um, the endings are, are different, I think. Uh, but man, I loved the novel, but I really loved the film. And some people go, "Oh, it's so boring, nothing happens." But that's those are people that didn't read between the lines enough or didn't appreciate the what is shown. It's just gut wrenchingly terrifying. With and it's so unique, and none of them are like overused tropes. It's just. No jump scares. You'll just the the what is in that movie. If that doesn't scare you to your core, uh, you're you're a scary person. There's something wrong with you. Um, okay, next, Hereditary. This movie was also uh, an A24 film. Same writer director as uh, Midsummer. It was his first one. It was his first, or at least the first. Yeah, I guess it was. His it first. was. Yeah. That's um, why it was so impressive. Because it, it was his first movie, and it was like, where'd this person come from? Yeah, no, everybody was, I mean, it was the talk of the town. It was, especially since it got its debut on Netflix, it was very easy for people to be able to hop in and enjoy it. Um, anybody who had a Netflix subscription was able to watch. Uh, so uh, it really got his name out there. It put him on the map as a great horror writer-director, and um, it really got word out about A24. Uh, but... Really love that movie. It deals with really, uh, you know, um, horrifying, upsetting, um, you know, family issues. Uh, It touches on a lot of sensitive subjects. Um, It deals with, just like uh, Midsummer. it it harkens back to other horror films and tropes like, you know, your cult movies. But it does so in its own unique way with a tone very much of the director writer of course i can't remember his name like a total jerk but he he does just an excellent job with that movie so um it's really difficult i mean out of all the movies we talked about tonight it would be up there in terms of films that are just really hard to watch yeah i only recently rewatched it because it was just emotionally so hard uh to really watch that movie it was you know it it hurts inside to watch it in yeah. some weird way because dealing with some heavy family uh issues as well and some subjects that are really difficult and um but it's also just it's got a lot of horror aspects to that movie and the whole thing is very heavy very bleak very dire very depressing very gr- enjoyable and atmospheric but it's a hard movie to it's, watch it's you watching... have to be in a in a, in a state of mind to be able to take in that kind of psychological movie. Yeah. The whole movie is based around a downward spiral. That's the, the integral part of the film. That's why the movie exists. Uh, it's a huge part of the plot. And if you're not down to watch somebody just 
go down a downward spiral, then it's not the movie for you. Um, I, of course, I found that upsetting, but that's part of why I loved it so much. And the actors were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the guy in it, I, he's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in, uh, my friend Dahmer, he was in, he's been in a million things and he's been like a perpetual teenager. Yeah, I don't know his like, last name is Wolf. Okay, yeah, Wolf. I had, whatever it is, he's been in a lot of shit lately. I mean, he was in like, <laughs> he was in the, the um, remake of Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, he's been in a lot of garbage, but his movies, when he's in something good like this or yeah. my friend Dahmer. You wouldn't Dahmer. think it was the same actor when you watch his role in Hereditary no. and compare that to Jumanji. It's, uh, his acting in Hereditary was just phenomenal. It, it really was. was great. You really feel bad for him. <laughs> but Yeah, um, you do. <laughs> okay. Um, finally, my last of the Ooh. 10 is, uh, yes, yeah, very exciting. Finally there. Um, the Ritual. Uh, this one. British I, movie, right? Yes. British movie. Didn't see this coming at all. Had no idea what it was before I started it. I think we saw it on Netflix. Yeah, it was on Netflix. It might still be there. Who knows? Um, worth checking out. Uh, it's kind of bleak but it's it's just about a bunch of guys uh lad's holiday a lad's holiday but it's in um i don't want to give too much away but it's uh it has to do with an event which had uh upset the, the group before it was an upsetting event in their past but they're trying to kind of come together again and and have like a last hurrah together um but it of of course goes awry uh they're in the woods they're uh camping and um, there is just a presence around them that, um, and I don't want to give this away either, but it's it it's a it's a some sort of um, folklore uh, element, uh, and it's the design of the actual threat. It was by this brilliant artist. I can't remember his name. His stuff is on Instagram. If you look it up, uh, you should probably do that after you watch it because you do not want to give this away. But the design is so good. Mm. It is so well done. And it's very tasteful. There's lots of like psychological throwbacks to an event which the team, the group of friends found very upsetting. And it plays a part in the present that they're, you know, the the trauma that they're experiencing. And it uh, at a certain point... Uh, there's a set piece where they end up uh, in a in a building, uh, and I there's something very upsetting in the attic. Uh, anyway, really love the ritual, and I know I had said that I was only going to list off ten. Yes, uh, but I am sorry, Emma. I am just going to have to <gasps> rattle off all of you them. You cheat. I'm, I'm cheating. I'm not going to say anything about them. I'm just going to list all of the movies. I will first go through the movies I mentioned. Uh, with a couple mixed in there that I think Emma may have mentioned, and then I will continue and just name off every These movie. These had better be good. They're all good, uh, and they'll all be, again, listed in the show notes, so you can just, like, check them all out. But, okay, The Thing, The Blair Witch Project, It Follows, 28 Days Later, Vivarium, No Country for Old Men, didn't mention that before, Alien, The Mist, The Fly, Under the Skin, The Wailing, Emma mentioned that before, mm-hmm. Midsummer, Emma mentioned that as well, Hereditary, The Ritual, here's a bunch of new ones, The Grudge, Army of Darkness, Drag Me to Hell, Rosemary's Baby, Signs, The Sixth Sense, Jaws, Martyrs, Misery, Green Room, Cloverfield, The Others, Mother, with an exclamation point, Videodrome, uh, The Thing. Did I mention that already? Yes. Okay. Going going back here. Okay. Wounds, Open Water, Um. The Sixth Sense. Did I say that? that Okay, I'm just going to have to cut that out. Oh, no. I know, sorry. Um, uh, Bear with me. Fargo, Life. I mentioned that casually. 
Uh, Emma mentioned the whaling. You've it, mentioned it already as well. I didn't mention the whaling. You mentioned it. You did. The, the, the first 10, you mentioned the whaling and said that Emma already mentioned that. Okay, well, I've mentioned that you mentioned <laughs> that. Um, uh, Irreversible. Now, that is a messed up, horrifyingly fucked up movie, but uh, really worth watching. Uh, French movie. French movie. Really intense. Yeah, put a disclaimer over that. Yeah, huge disclaimer for that. It's got, I mean, trigger warning to the top of them, um, uh, just on another level. Uh, but one of the best just psychologically scarring movies and just artistically done in a way i mean that and and uh enter the void another film of theirs so unique and so upsetting okay um, come on come on come okay, on okay, you okay, said okay, you're gonna run through these cheat well, those, cheat lists. those two run, needed run, run, a run. disclaimer there uh, okay <laughs> 30 days of night cube funny games audition old boy i mentioned casually bone tomahawk the shining the silence of the lambs Fire in the Sky, Jacob's Ladder, The Descent, and Ghost House. All of those are just so worth watching. I uh, just go watch. You know, them. I did. Me- I did notice you mentioned two shark movies. I did, and I like shark movies, but I don't think as much as you like shark movies. You would. You are going to turn into a shark movie <laughs> if you watch one more shark movie. Maybe we should rewatch one tonight. Shush. <laughs> uh, well, I, saying as you cheated, I'm going to end my contribution tonight by actually sharing a TV show that I highly recommend, if it's available mm. at any of your viewing platforms, uh, to try and catch over the scary season, and that is Do Channel on. Zero. Oh, damn it. Gian's good too, but for me, Channel Zero was just such a groundbreaking, scary show. It's an anthology in a way because each season is completely different. Yes. Completely different story. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed No End House and Butcher's Block were really terrifying. The last season was also scary because we recently found a very small door underneath our stairs and that connects to that show and it was a little bit scary and we opened it up. We didn't discover it until recently and we've been living in this house for almost five years and uh, we find a whole lot of Jesus stuff in there. Yeah, a lot of like old dusty images of the the Lord. Strange, strange. So it's not been closed off again and we'll never go back there. But after just watching season four of Channel Zero, that was... Not good timing. No. Uh, Season one is great too, but for me, I find No End House and Butcher's Block to be the most enjoyable. And I think actually I'm going to make time to rewatch that show um, over the holidays as well. Yeah. Then uh, after season four, it got canceled, which was... Or after season three, it didn't get a season four. No, it did. It was uh, the first one was the kids one. Yeah. Right. Second one was No End House. Yeah. Third one was Butcher's Block. Oh. Fourth one was the uh, door in the basement. Oh, I guess you're right. Wow. Yeah, so it was season five where they got cancelled. Wasn't it a sci-fi uh, channel? It was, I think, a sci-fi original. And you're like, oh my god, how can the sci-fi channel be producing such a <laughs> highly, like, high definition, yeah. um, like, groundbreaking, like, brilliantly shot, brilliantly cast, everything. Like, the production was insane. Yeah, it's it not was. like the production of a, of a sci-fi original. So it was an incredible that they even had this. And then yeah. the fact that they cancelled it. I know. I mean, come on. And there's no shortage of uh, inspiration there because I believe the entire premise of the show is that they're all lifted from creepypastas, creepy uh, which may, most of them you'll find on, um, like, on Reddit, uh, the No Sleep subreddit. Um, these are original stories told by you know average people that came up with them or sometimes more than average people but in any case these stories existed already and what would happen is the writers of the show would come together and put together a larger story based around these ideas and uh some of them i mean the first season was a it was all based off of a fake 
back and forth in a chat room that never actually happened. It was just like a fake web page with a chat where people were like fake going back and forth talking about a TV show that they all remembered, but only are vaguely remembering now. And they're pretty sure they can't imagine that it actually existed. They're so surprised to meet another person that remembers the show. And the whole rest of the show, or rather the series, the first season of, uh, um, What's it called again? I can't Channel remember. Channel Zero. Channel Zero. The whole first season of Channel Zero is just based around a new uh, original story uh, of of people watching this fi- yeah. fictional and then the, show. Um, the second one is based on a story around a haunted house that appears at the end of a block just mysteriously out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, kids will be trying to find this... Uh, amazing haunted house to go to that is but like a, 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 yeah how a would haunted, you put it it's like a haunted house but it's meant to be people think it's like put together by exactly it's like a halloween haunted house like yeah put together by a company it's like exactly. oh every year it's like oh better follow them on you know on twitter to find out where the house is going to be this time you know yeah and they're always trying to track it down and then all the cool cool kids go to the uh the cool halloween haunted house but uh it really was great broke a lot of so molds good um, actors are great yeah so Two and three, the top two for me, but the whole show is great, and yes. I highly recommend it. And I think that's going to bring us to Rap Jake Halloween special over. Oh, but I love Halloween. Can we just do the Halloween special every single episode? You would so do that. <laughs> for listening i i hope you enjoyed our recommendations and you have a great time over the scary season next time we are going to be talking about a uh, more serious subject of political labels political ideology and why we just can't seem to uh, break out of those binary labels here in northern ireland so back to politics next time but for now Take care. Bye-bye, everybody. And just a reminder, even when we're talking about politics, uh, we all know that politics can be scary, too. (sighs) That's a good closer. (laughs)